0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today, myself, Matthew Fox, J. Scotty St. Clair, and Brian V. Klein are all coming to you from an undisclosed secret Rebel base on J. Nineteen as we're talking to you about the first episode of the Bad Batch, the new Star Wars show that has just come out on Disney Plus. All that and more. After a commercial break, we have no controller. To your host as i said by happy circumstance myself jay scotty and brian are all here zuher ali will be joining us for a lot of episodes on um as we talk about the bad batch but he couldn't be with us but today the three of us were here we got to just watch uh the first episode of the bad batch we actually watched it uh last night but there were different levels of sobriety so we watched it again this morning <laughs> uh and i think we're just super excited about it and excited to be bringing you this coverage so let's just kind of start with overall thoughts jay scotty you start what what'd you think of this
1: uh, absolutely blown away. You know, Coming off those four episodes, I, I alluded in our primer that I don't have the biggest exposure to the animated side of the Star Wars universe, but man, I was absolutely enraptured in everything that was going on, completely blown away by the action and the emotional through line that seems to be um, so present. So I'm, I'm excited to see where the show goes.
0: Definitely. and I'm, Honestly, I think one of the greatest things we have about this group is... We all come at this from very different levels of knowledge. You know, uh, Jay Scotty, you're a huge fan, but you've seen mostly the movies, not too Correct. much of the TV shows. Sure. I'm, I'm someone who's seen almost everything on screen, but I haven't necessarily gone quite as deep into the, the books and a lot of the, like, the the deeper lore and stuff. And then our other guest today, uh, Brian D. Klein, you're basically a walking Wikipedia of Star Wars. So, <laughs> like, I like that we have the three I've been called worse, yeah. And, <laughs> I think as a compliment. And that's part of the point, is that we want this show to be, whether you are a diehard Star Wars fan or whether you've just seen it, or even if, you know, you haven't seen the show, but you want to just stay up to date with it because you're excited for what's going to happen, what you can learn about the universe, all you are welcome here. So, Riley Klein, your other uh, folk, what would you think about the show today?
2: Um, I echo Jay Scottie's sentiment. It was mind-blowing to, to think there was a number of times when we were watching it and going, this is an animated show? <laughs> I mean, the level of detail and just, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. But even that, the story and just the way... Uh, we'll get into it, but how they actually started the episode off, the timeline part, and it, how it's meshing, and it's they're showing scenes from a different angle that we've seen before. But it's just, uh, it's a great start. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I have to admit, I was nervous about this. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen some wonderful con- content coming out with the uh, Mandalorian and all of that. The new stuff that's coming out looks exciting. The Bad Batch, as you said, Jay Scotty, was a great set of characters introduced in the most recent season of Clone Wars. The Clone Wars overall, I love it, but had its ups and downs, you know? And especially sure. sometimes it could be a little bit more juvenile. I saw the droids on the screen, and I got, I tensed up. I was <laughs> like, ah. Uh. And honestly, and I know I keep joking about this, the fact that we never heard the words Roger, Roger were yes. to me such a, like, okay. The droids were a little bit funny. There's a little bit of comic relief with them, which sure. is fine. But I just, I was so sucked in. Like, the, the animation was amazing, but... I had to really look for it the second time. So the first time, I was just so drawn in by the stories and the character, and and I want to do a kind of quick plot summary in a second, but let's just all take a moment, you know, pour one out for Mr. D. Bradley Baker. Because oh, if yeah. you told me I would watch a TV show where the two most emotional, important scenes were entirely done by one guy talking to <laughs> himself in five different accents, I'd go, "You're nuts." Yeah. But those scenes of the Bad Batch debating, discussing. Are they still part of the Empire? How do they feel about Order 66? With the big differences, his voice acting just blew me away. Yeah, absolutely oh, yeah, phenomenal. It's,
2: it's crazy what he, the, the amount of talent that that guy has. And it's been present because he's been doing it for years and years and just his resume. But even in this, he has such a diverse... For all clones that are all supposed to be the same, like you said, you got them. And even when they're, there's the regular, uh, other regular clones... Different voice and yeah. just different just inflection and
0: timbre. it's it's amazing. Because I'd seen it already, uh, and was sober last time um, <laughs> uh, and remembered it well, I I did an experiment for one of the scenes and I looked away. And I just and I could always tell exactly who was speaking. Oh yeah. Which yeah. is to me just such talent. Yeah. So yeah. let's give kind of a quick plot summary. Uh Sounds let me kinda of do a quick shot at it and then you all can uh, fill in what I missed. Although We're not going to go too deep in the details. We want to stick to mostly just kind of the plot and character and also keep this relatively short. So we start with the Bad Batch, who's a a bunch of clones that we've met, you know, in earlier episodes. The the Clone Wars are still going on um, and they're on a battle and we get to see the... uh, uh, Then the Planet of Collar. cut a Collar, yes, thank you. And... During the battle, at first it looks like they, you know, the Jedi want reinforcements. The clones are in not a great sp- space, and the Bad Bats just come in, kick ass. You know, everyone's just show off their cool abilities. Yep. They fight really well, and it turns out they were brought to us by a young Jedi Padawan named Ka- uh, Kalen okay. Caleb Jareus. Well, he's Caleb, Caleb. Caleb
2: Doom at this time, right? As a Padawan to Depa
0: Balaba, um, who, if you've not seen Star Wars Rebels yet, becomes a very important character in Star Wars Rebels. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's great to see just a little bit of his backstory, and we'll we'll definitely get into that more. Sure. Um, so the the Bad Batch are heroes, and then just during the fighting, we realize that you know they think that the the war is almost over because General Kenobi has just engaged General Grievous on Utapau. Yep. So we know that this is like the final battle from Rise of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So the war is coming to an end. Right. So they're called back to Kamino. The war is over. Oh, I'm sorry. No, actually, my... Very important thing there. Yeah, you jumped a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, actually, while they're kind of going off on a new mission with Caleb, uh, we find out that the regular clones get told execute Order sixty six. We see it happen again. We see Caleb's uh, master, because he's a Padawan at this point, get killed by the clones. Yeah. And when I was like a hard battle, which was glad, like she didn't die easy. Right. Like, no, right. And, they, and I'm glad too.
2: They didn't show that. I mean, they inferred it. They said it, but they they're keeping this from being that level of intensity and stuff. So you know she's dead, but you don't see her death on the screen.
0: And one of the things you clearly see, which I think is going to be very relevant for his character later, is that she dies in part because like, she's so busy warning him to stay away. Yeah, yeah. she takes
1: that first shot in the shoulder when she's giving him the direct order to get out of there, yeah.
0: And I think there's no reason, Like, I don't think this is legitimate, but I think it's pretty clear that a 10-year-old boy would watch that and now have all this guilt of, she died for me. Certainly. So anyway, so um, Caleb is now with them, and the Bad Batch all hear about Order Sixty Six, and most of them think, "Well, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Let's find out more what know to what do." It is, yeah. right. Except for one of them, Crosshair, yep. and Crosshair is he thinks that they should kill the Padawan, and there's some fighting. He says he at one point says, "Good soldiers follow orders,"
1: yes, which is mm-hmm. very much
0: like a quote from the the soldiers. With that, they try to kill Caleb, or he tries to kill Caleb, and Hunter lets Caleb get away. And then lies to crosshair about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to way too much detail here. But so anyway, uh-huh. they, they all get back to uh, Camino where they're, they're made from the clones. And there's you know tension between them and the regular clones. They meet up with someone named Omega, who is a young girl, a uh, young human female, who has an accent and facial features that make her look an awful lot like one of the clones, just in female form. Right. Uh, there's tension between them and the clones. We've, we get to watch Emperor Palpatine's big speech. About organizing the empire, and you just see the tension growing within them of Crosshair thinking they should have killed the Padawan, everyone else thinking like this Order sixty six stuff doesn't make sense. Right? They are they go through this great combat training thing that's a reference to earlier combat training stuff mm-hmm. where they get a show off for Admiral Tarkin just how cool and badass they are, and he's impressed. But he clearly has doubts about their loyalty, so he sends them off on a mission to, as he describes it, go kill a bunch of insurgents. Uh, it turns out that he is a it is a few insurgents because it's Saw Guerrera, who we've yep. met already in the Clone Wars, and for those of you who've seen Rogue One, obviously he comes in there. Yep. But he's with women and children and refugees, and Hunter and the rest of them decide that they don't want to try and kill this group. But Crosshair is again very upset about it. They have more conversations and realize that um, they've been talking about how that there are five bat- five actual wrong clones, and that Echo, who's been traveling with them, isn't one of them. But that Omega is. Right. And so we get that realization. We have more discussion about why maybe the order 66 isn't working for them because they know about the chip and things like that. We go back to back to Camino. They try to break out Omega. They get caught, arrested. More conflict in trying to decide what to do and Crosshair being very clear that he's not okay with any of this. And Crosshair winds up being taken by Tarkin to have his basically the chip that uh controls his compliance for 46. 66, strengthened. Right, yeah. Our heroes then, without Crosshair, try to break out. And in one of the final scenes, uh, while they're trying to break out, Crosshair is the one who leads a group of clones trying to stop them. Yes. And very tense fighting. Uh, happily, none of them wind up killing each other, but obviously it's a very sort of emotionally wrought moment. And then they finally are able to go off, on a sh- get on a shuttle with Omega. They get to escape. And in the closing scenes, they say, well, where are we going to go? Well, we know a guy on J-19 and mass speculation about what World J-19 starts, yeah, and then the guy is, credits. Yeah. So yeah, so that was my... Um, for those folks mm-hmm. who haven't seen it especially, I don't think I helped you understand it at all, but we'll get more into it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the one
2: thing I want to add about the end was that the way that they were able to escape, because Crosshair had them in his, for lack of a better word, Crosshair, Omega just grabs a pistol and shoots him and it disarms him, literally. Right. Right. And it turns out that's the first time she ever shot a gun, and it was that effective. So that's why they're leaning on maybe she's got some kind of enhancement that is, like they said, we don't know. I mean, right. We just found out that she was one of the same as the Bad batch, which are considered, they're calling them defective slash enhanced clones because they're not the perfect marker or perfect replica of Jango's
0: original sample. So, Right. In many ways, they seem kind of like X-Men in that... They're all mutations, right. and right. yet all of them are highly combat relevant. Right. They each <laughs> have a
2: certain, like each have a, one particular strength that is super enhanced, like strength. Uh, Wrecker movement.
1: is the the bruiser of the crew. Tech has got the brilliant mind. Right. Crosshair uh, Hunter sh- has the extra senses, and he's always like, "We're not alone." He said that multiple times throughout the episode. Yeah. And then an off screen character reveals themselves, and then yeah, Crosshair is the like sharpshooter. So. sharp-shooter so.
0: Right. Well, let's, let's just talk, start talking right about Omega, because I think sure. there's a lot of other things going to go into but but she's kind of the, the linchpin in many ways. Sure. First of all, just wonderfully animated. We pulled up a picture of sort of the, the younger clones who we got to see in some earlier Clone Wars, as well as in some of the movies.
2: And even in this episode, we saw him a couple of times walking down the corridor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: her face, she is very much like, she looks like the female sister of them. Right. And, and one thing I noticed was, you're right, it's very good sharpshooting. Yes. She's also very smart. Yes. And so I wonder if maybe she has like, could like, she have like both crosshair and tech stuff? She follows Hunter all the time. Like she yep. does like copying exactly he does.
2: I had the thought that she had a similar, she could have like a similar skill set in a lesser form than like on like Avatar. She collects all of this stuff. Like yeah. she wasn't yeah. just one enhancement. She is all over, but she doesn't know what she has yet. I mean, how she could even
0: be force sensitive.
2: So yeah.
0: Yeah. And that was actually a question. Um, James Hewings, uh, a big fan of this and other stranded panda podcasts, wrote in and asked, could she be force sensitive? Um, and that's actually something that we've seen in the comments a bunch of times. Haley Hobbs had thought at first that she heard the the force theme with her, but then later went back and was like, not so sure. But
1: what do you all think? Could Omega be force sensitive? I think it's entirely possible.
0: If if it
2: if she is, it puts a wrinkle into the whole saga that they never thought was possible because if they and maybe that's the point now that they're figuring why they need to like get her away from the like the eyes of Palpatine because Palpatine finds out that you can clone a force sensitive exactly I'm glad you bring it up dumb. yeah, yeah mean, you
1: get that throwaway line in Rise of Skywalker the Sith knew about like cloning technology but if we were able to get that like context through the series yeah, that'd, right that'd be great yeah
0: and it'd be interesting because I know in some of the books which are no longer canon they established the idea that a clone can't be Force-sensitive or that if right. it is, it is often fundamentally unstable and there's all this mm, kind of stuff. Interesting. That for the most part, the shows and the movies have avoided. But it does feel like, to this point, yeah, I mean, we've, there's never been any talk of Force-sensitivity. Even some of when some of the not-so-great Jedi were talking about why they didn't really regard the clones as important, they kind of offhand mentioned that they weren't really sort of like full beings in the living force. Right. right. So yeah, So I, I, there's a part of me that... I, I kind of want the story to not be about Jedi and not be about force sensitive people. Right. But but if it is, I think you're right. That could also be a really interesting direction for it to go.
1: Yeah, I, I did want to mention about the the kind of way we're introduced to Omega outside of that scene in the corridor. The first time that she gets some like real face time with all the members of the Bad Batches is in that scene in the cafeteria, and we just get more. Uh, we get to understand how the regs treat and look at the Bad Batch like they actually have the audacity to call them the sad batch, even though they've got a hundred percent success rate in their missions. So Right. Um And she, yeah. Trial by fire. She becomes like quick friends with Wrecker, and like one by one, she's like mimicking Hunter the entire time. It's just awesome to yeah. see how, how she really does get close to all the individual members and, minus crosshair. And for
2: those listening, regs are the, the standard clone troopers. They're the ones that are the, the formulaic copy of a copy <laughs> of a copy. Right, right, thing, so.
1: right.
0: And one, thing, one detail I thought that was so interesting, because they did, as you both pointed out, so many great little details, is that in when we've seen clones out in the field who are fighting with with the Jedi, often they've started to differentiate themselves. They right. have different yes. haircuts, they have like, shifted their voices a bit, they, they have different names. names. Yeah. The clones we see here all look exactly the same. Correct. And... There's so much clearly where they were spending so much money in animation that wasn't to save money. Like right. I think that's very intentionally to show these are not clone troopers who've been out fight. These are the ones who are either they're still on Kamino because they've never really had the chance to individuate themselves, or they're the ones who are the most like they haven't had individuality yet, which I right. think is very significant right. because those are probably. I'm guessing that part of this is that Palpatine is not only afraid, and Tarkin are not only afraid of these five. But we may start to be seeing that he's like, oh yeah, all these clones, even though they followed Order 66, they loved the Jedi, they fought with the Jedi, they came up with individuation. Let's get rid of them.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And they even bring that up with Tarkin because that's the reason why he's there is pretty much to shut down the cloning facility because it's a lot more cost effective to just recruit people than to keep making clones.
0: Right. So, what do we think about what we learned about kind of? I was joking earlier that the, the group we have is basically a DD party. You know, you've got <laughs> your like heavy, ta- heavy warrior type in uh, Wrecker you've got your like the smart one the wizard kind of in tech you've sure. got a, a cleric healer type what, what, do all, what do you all think we learned about either individual character notes that you thought were cool or just how the whole group works together
1: well just speaking of the whole group working together like coming off of those four episodes in the seventh season of uh, Clone Wars again like we got to see how functional they are as a like four team unit and they are really really are that perfect like D&D group as you described but they really upped the ante like a couple of times. Like The first one that comes to my mind is when they're battling in the training facility and they use the live rounds on them. And uh, Hunter throws the knife and Crosshair shoots the knife. Like That was just... That was I love the imagination behind yeah. it and the way it's just executed. The camera work, the choreography, again, and the fidelity of all these renders. Uh, there's hair movement. There's little articles of clothing that get caught in the wind, and the particle effects are all there. We get to we. It's a 75 minute episode, so we get to go a lot of different places. But from the snow to the rain to the the smoke and fire, it's all just incredible. The visualization
2: of the shockwave when the thing blew up. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. it was just like wow.
0: Well, that's where I'm glad you all are on because i I've said before I'm not a visual person. Like mm. I can appreciate the beauty of it, but I don't notice things like mm-hmm. that. I'm so glad that you can point those out yeah. because. You know, to me, I just get so wrapped up in the story.
1: Sure, but sure. But
0: I think the, the degree to which they're using animation to tell... Not just a sh- The early Clone Wars episodes, it, it looks like video game cutscenes. Okay, know, yeah. They're fine. And, and the story's often great. The acting's great. But it doesn't... The, the story isn't told through the visuals. And so I love hearing about these kind of things. Because there were... There were so many moments, I think, where we got those kind of things. And sure. I, 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 I also love what you said about, like, the knife and the shooting. Because... Yeah. You know, we're all MCU lovers as well. and something we talk about a lot. And I think a lot of the the times when the Avengers sort of most really became a team in my mind is things where, like, you know, someone's ability to jump really high is accented by leaping off of Cap's shield. You sure, know? sure, yeah. And mm-hmm. here, their ability to be like, your talent and my talent, we're going to put together to, like, some super thing. Yeah. It was, just, it was such great team building. Yeah, it was awesome. In that regard.
1: Yeah. Well, Wrecker... I don't think we really learned anything new about Wrecker. Wrecker just kind of continues to be Wrecker. Uh, But I I did like the fact that we got to spend more time with Echo. Echo got some really great scenes that I'll I'll let you guys kind of get into if you want. But I wanted to highlight Tech. Like, Mm. Tech is quickly becoming one of my favorites. Just the way he runs down the battlefield, plants all his little things, and then... Yeah. Knocks everybody out. I love characters like that. when He again, made a little clicking button. <laughs> <like, laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jay Scott on camera audio, a lot. Yeah. So he forgets, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's slumming it now. <laughs> uh, I, I, I compared them to um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles before, but Donatello is always my favorite. So tech is quickly becoming my favorite in that regard as well. Mm-hmm. But.
0: Yeah, I think it's really amazing what they're doing to, individ- like, to really make them individual characters stand out. In the Bad Batch, we only had four episodes, there's a lot of else going on. And they were introduced as all kind of like one note people, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Wrecker smashes things. Hunter's really good at sensing things and is a leader. Tech is just the smart, annoying tech guy. <laughs> and this I felt like they really all got fleshed out some more. You know, sure. Hunter is really the most like not only is he like the good sensor and the leader, but he's thoughtful. Like he's so clearly troubled. If it feels like Crosshair is just like. Or 66 gotta do it yeah the rest of them are like well hunter says we shouldn't do it except tech somewhat uh also goes that way but it, it was just yeah. wonderful to get to see like record in some ways i'm a little concerned about because we don't have any and i, I think he'll get 12 episodes of him just being like let's smash it may, may get a little t- annoying
1: i i have a, a, a like speculation slash theory so obviously in this episode we saw that crosshair was susceptible to having his programming you know Enhanced and having that inhibitor chip become stronger. You had that scene between Tech and Wrecker where Wrecker got really mad. He's like, I like to blow things up because I like to blow things up. Like, I wonder are we going to see, like, one by one, these members become, you know, are, are they going to fall on different sides of the. We've already seen Crosshair go that way. I wonder if Wrecker could potentially go that way because he had that line too. Like, we get to go fight some more and blow some more things up. Maybe the Empire's not so bad. So, right.
2: Yeah. I mean, going back to what you were saying, too, about Hunter being thoughtful. I mean, he was... When they were on that mission, he goes back to Camino because they wanted to save Omega because she warned him about Tarkin, about them being set up. True. And they were like, no, no, no. And then they get there. The reason why they found out about this was when there was a probe droid sent. So, right. they got caught, and then after that, it was sort of just like they got thrown in the, the brig, and they had to escape, and they used all their, you know, abilities in themselves. Another thing that we've got to point out, too, is that this is making it sound like it's a super serious show, which it is, but there were a lot of comedic moments in it that didn't feel forced. I mean, most of it was Wrecker saying something that, you know, I was like, well, why don't you do, why don't I like using hand signals? Why don't you learn hand signals? I know the hand signals. Yeah. <laughs> do like we did on Felucia. Well, why don't you just say that? You know, it's just the interaction between them and it's, it, it sometimes when you have that, it'll seem forced. It didn't in here, so. No, Yeah,
0: the, the humor from them was great. And, and like, I love Grand Moff Tarkin, Admiral Tarkin, Captain Tarkin. You know, he's always been one of my favorite characters, even though we don't we don't get much of him in A New Hope. And I feel like it's often just remembered as Darth Vader being the bad guy, but Tarkin is fantastic in that. Oh yeah, and I feel like this actor both captures him well and has that like a cervic wit so well down. Oh you know, yeah, he was also quite funny.
2: That's Steven Stanton. He played him on um, Clone Wars as well, right? And Rebels,
0: right? Yeah, I think we're gonna see a lot more. His character and Anakin were very like closely together in a lot of ways, and I'm there's some great books that are canon that talk about Tarkin spending time with Vader. Okay, I don't think we're going to see Vader in this, but I'm curious no. if we'll get sort of some hints of Tarkin being the one who understands that, like this new person who's just shown up helping the Empire. He may have some memories of who that is.
2: Yeah, I think Tarkin's going to be the big bad, I guess, or he's going to be the focal point that we'll see on screen of the Empire for the most part. You're not going to see a lot of Palpatine or, uh, like you just said, they are not going to see a lot of Vader. So I right. think Tarkin is going to be the guy that's going to be the, you know, almost, we're going to, it's almost falling into, like, the A-team trope that they thought this might be, like, Is the Bad Batch now is on their own, and we're going to have the Empire trying to find them, because they're pretty right. much, they're deserters now, so.
0: Yeah. I'm guessing that Tarkin will be the big bad and that Crosshair is going to be a antagonist for a sure, while. Sure, yeah. But that eventually one of the missions is going to be... Especially since, you know, Echo became part of the team because there was such a strong, like, all-for-one, go-rescue Echo. I imagine that they're going to be placed in situations where they might be, like, fighting and have to kill Crosshair. And they'll refuse and really try to make the mission, can we rescue Crosshair? Can we? And that hopefully by the end of this season, he's back with the team.
1: Right. It- I'd love for it to go that way, but uh, I don't know if I'm that optimistic. That's possible. That's possible. And it
0: might be a, a you know might still be a bad batch of five to yeah. make instead. So we'll see. Yeah. So I think we talked a little bit, but let's just kind of touch on again. What do you all feel about seeing Kay- Kaylin Jarrus? We uh, you know as Kayden Jarrus at least when that when name Caleb, got dropped. When they said it was Caleb Caleb.
2: Boob, I'm just like, okay, great. they they're bringing the. the The rebels character and 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 for the most part they show flashbacks and I'm not sure if it's in Rebels or if it's in the comic series of when uh, this scene was already been shown. So it was actually cool to see it from the other angle and it's like it was pretty much spot on the same because you know that they're going to be they're not going to make one thing not canon and canonize this. But it was yeah as soon as he showed up on screen it's like oh crap
0: cool yeah. And to me, it's, it's so important because his character in Star Wars Rebels... you really, and I'm trying to go into many spoilers for those who haven't seen it yet. We are going to be reviewing it on this podcast. But a major theme of his character is that he still has so much guilt about what happened to his master and that he blames himself. And, yes. it, and, and also that he has very negative feelings about clones. Um, oh, and, sure, sure. and part of what happens here is that Crosshair is trying to kill him. The rest of the clones, especially from Hunter are trying to save him.
1: Mm-hmm. And he
0: just, he can't trust them. Yeah. And I think for good reason. And so at the end, is Hunter trying to be like, hey, come with me, we can help you. And him running away. Okay. Which I thought was also pretty darn telling.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have the strong affinity to the, to the character, but uh, just, again, I'll take the opportunity to highlight one of the things. like uh, The fact that they set this on this ice planet and the majority of the time you're spending with this character, is it's close-up close shots on his face with his lightsaber there. And I was just, continually impressed by no matter where the lightsaber moved they were always taking the color temperature into effect and just the flesh was so incredibly Mm -hmm. animated so
0: you think of some of those great scenes in the movies where the faces are lit only by their lightsaber yes and it has that hell atmosphere to it yeah definitely i also like it was just a small little detail but there's a moment where hunter is really worried and caleb He's at this like long ravine, right. and Caleb jumps, and for a minute you see Hunter look like, oh God, he's trying to kill himself, mm. until you realize what anyone who's been with a Jedi would know, this is an easy jump for him, to leap over this ravine. To me, what that highlighted is that, for the most part, the Bad Batch haven't been with the Jedi,
1: Correct. the way all
0: the rest of them have. They've been kind of off on their own, doing their own thing. It's a good pickup. And Hunter hasn't seen Jedi do this
2: thing a thousand right. times before. Right. yeah. Because it was a pretty big ravine he crossed too, or jumped across. Yeah. So it wasn't like it was just a hop, skip, and a jump. It was a pretty good force leap.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, we've kind of touched on it a bit. But let's kind of wrap up. Like, how do y'all feel about getting to watch uh, Order Sixty Six from this side of things? I'm like, what else have we learned about Order Sixty Six here?
2: It was just another, you know, instance of it, and it still is heartbreaking when you see it. And you know, but from a purely logistic standpoint, it was totally effective. But it's still just like, man. The Jedi yeah. got the raw deal on that. Even though they were jerks at the end of it, there they don't deserve <laughs> to have get like mass killed off like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's as heartbreaking as it always is to to see it, it go down. And no matter what medium it is, but we did mention I was glad that uh, the the Jedi Master there, who was it? Uh, Deppa Balaba. Yeah, I, I like the fact that she did not go down as easily. We got that montage in Revenge of the Sith where like Aayla Secura particularly comes to mind. She got kind of gunned down fairly easily. Easily so. Definitely appreciated seeing somebody put up a little bit of a fight, and the emotion was just so so poignant.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think we haven't talked about this yet. The the music in this mm. episode was spot on with the where it was. The, I mean, it was building up tension a lot of times, and it was building up dread. And it it's I mean, it's a lot of times with Star Wars, the music is almost like. The, the fourth character or the fourth oh, part yeah. of it because you don't recognize it but then if you take it out you're like this is a wholly different scene
0: now. so Oh yeah. Like there's that one moment when um Emperor Palpatine is giving his speech it's, it's, it's just the exact same audio we've heard before yeah. but now he's giving like the speech is being broadcast to all the clones and you can see all the other clones just start like cheering and yelling and there's actually a great line from Tech about you still think they're not following the regs aren't followed, aren't being programmed. Right, right. And they play the Imperial March for yes. just a few bars and it's just so perfectly done.
1: Yeah, and then there was that moment where Hunter and Crosshair were having their standoff where they both had their sights aimed at each other, and then somebody in the room that we were watching, they whistled that whole It was me. Yeah, yeah. And then the, I I noticed that the <laughs> the music that immediately came into was actually evocative of kind of that Western theme, but it was mm-hmm. very much appropriate yeah, that, for Star yeah, Wars. was so. like that Marconi type. Of yeah, yeah. yeah. To so. It. I, I love it when, as much as like the Star Wars universe can expand, when the the music as well can like incorporate other genres and and and, and still be appropriate. It's it's excellent.
0: Definitely. Uh, so we got to see Saw Gerrera yeah. on mm-hmm. screen for a couple seconds. Would you Would you all think it I like him? They, they, they used this,
2: the Clone Wars model because he was on the Clone Wars first. He, they kept all the same stuff for the planet he was on, Andoran. Uh, I like the first thing when they show up there, because on, on in canon is a very, uh, pr- there's a lot of primitive beasts there. And so one of the first things you see is the flying creature, and it's dark, and it's it's at night, and it's kind of a little overcast, or like foggy. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, I mean, his, um, it sounded, I, I looked this up, though, because it, it was the same actor that voiced him in the Clone Wars, but his inflection this time had a little bit more of the Forest Whitaker Rogue One uh, delivery to it. But I looked it up to check to see because uh, we didn't mention that Freddie Prince Jr. did Caleb Doom, but they kind of de-aged his voice a bit. You could see it, you could hear it. It did sound a little old for a 10-year-old kid, but yeah. <laughs> I know 10-year-olds, the, most of them don't have deep voices, but you could tell it was Freddie Prince Jr. But see, yeah, Saw character bringing him in already, it's like, well, there's another tie to the past.
0: Yeah. Sure. And I, and I just thought it was really well done in a way that like, yeah, because it showed the character in a place kind of halfway between naive idealist we met early on and like very jaded very cynical but he has some of the same mannerisms he has the same like you know he says to the clones like are you going to kill us are you going to do this terrible thing to us and it it really resonated for me the way Forrest Whitaker does that
1: yeah and it it, it is kind of evocative of the one time we have seen him in live action as well in Rogue One I did uh, in his interaction with Jyn Erso when he's like what will you become like he presents these questions to our protagonist and it's like I like that through line there that we know he becomes questionable in his tactics and his motives, but the fact that that's yeah. something that he continues to do, you know, pose that question to our heroes.
0: That's a great catch. I hadn't yeah. picked up on that. And I, I've i been reaching out to a lot of people I know who watched it. Um, and one thing I've heard, and I feel like having characters like Saul Guerrero like this really helps, mm-hmm. is that I've spoken to a number of people who like Star Wars, you know, they're big fans of the movies, maybe they listen to his podcast, maybe they haven't. But they haven't watched the Clone Wars. They haven't dived super deep. Sure. And they all really liked this episode. Oh, yeah. And I, for fans, I'd be curious if, if if where you stand on it. But I felt like they did such a good job of making it both, you know, for the super lore people like ourselves, like really great, but also super accessible. Like there was a lot of exposition, but it didn't feel forced. Right. It didn't feel like, no. oh, like painful. It just felt, yeah, these characters would talk to each other like this.
2: And one thing we forgot to mention too, and it actually was a great way, it's literally the first thing you see. After the Lucasfilm logo, the Clone Wars symbol pops up. And then it has like a slow burn. And it burns away to the Bad Batch because this is technically, I mean, it's the sequel to the Clone Wars. Clone Wars are done. And this is the continuation of the story from the Bad Batch's point of view.
0: Which is also kind of a, like, I don't think this is a direct connection, but it's a fun uh, similarity. You know, Mandalorian, the TV show, a big theme of it is about, like, well, you won the war, can you win the peace? Right, right. And now this is kind of from a, you know, now it's the like the other side of the war, but where are they going to go from there? Mm. And that's kind of actually a good, uh, kind of a last final question I want to ask before we give it a bit of feedback. Um, where do you think we're going to go from here? Uh, we're not going to get into speculation. Um, the Omega <laughs> Fisto uh, is not, I think, a thing that's been confirmed. <laughs> no. Um,
2: I think we're going to go to J-19. It's the only thing I'm going to speculate
0: on. Cause... Yeah. So what do folks okay. have guesses about what J-19 might be or like what we're going to see from the rest of the story?
2: I did, the only thing I read was that there was a... J nineteen was in a sector that Obi Wan got Eeth Koth's location from in Revenge of the Sith in the Slukamai area. But since those characters Obi Wan is I would be shocked if his guy was Obi Wan because he would not have known this close, so it had to be someone that they had beforehand. Right. It's it could be anybody. You know, yeah. that's that's the point of speculation now who is I mean, they throw that in there and they know us as fans. Luckily we don't have to wait until we only have to wait until Friday to hopefully yeah. find out. So. Oh, exactly. the next, episode, the next episode. episode Yeah, it'll be on Fridays from now
0: on. Awesome. That's fantastic. Um, what about you? Just got any thoughts on where we're going to go from
1: here? Uh, you know, I don't really have a lot of uh, guesses, kind of like Brian's alluding to. It really could be anybody, but Tech does give us at least the suggestion that the list of friends they have is relatively short. But with that being said, if there is an opportunity to... Possibly tie it into the Obi One series that's in the work. Mm-hmm. I'm always open to. The, that's one of the great things about the the synergy with Disney Plus, just being able to connect all these things and and, and do it so well. I, yeah. I'd be excited to see it done that well that way. Excuse me.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't know what J nineteen is going to be. I think I'm almost certain we're going to go back to Kamino at some point. One thing I like is that we saw you know the Kaminoans both in the movie and in the the Clone Wars TV show we're always clearly kind of like very much working with duke count Dooku even working with emperor palpatine but always seemed much like they weren't true believers they were just these are the guys who are paying us let's get paid yeah and here i think they're starting to sense the danger that like they 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 get upset when Tarkin wants to use live fire in the exercise against the clones because they're like but not for like humanitarian, it's just like, these are our property not right. damage our property yeah. and i feel like i think at some point in the show we're going to see the empire shutting down what's happening on Camino? very uh, likely oh yeah probably not with just paperwork um and so i, I like that the Caminoans the kaminoans are being presented as this kind of like morally gray they're they're not going to tell the empire about omega omega um uh, <laughs> so yeah i think it's gonna be fun
1: yeah
0: uh let me just read one last quick piece of feedback we got and then we'll kind of uh move on cool. uh and this is just also a reminder to all the folks um who are listening Definitely please write in. I'll tell you how to do that in a minute. But uh, getting this feedback is going to be a great part of uh, us going through with the show. So, TJ Stratford wrote in, "Love the Clone Wars narration in the beginning. Which, yeah, it was the same narrator who, as someone pointed out, the actor had a stroke. Uh, not, oh, Tom um, not Tom Kane, Tom Kane, yeah. thank you. Uh, and so this, he may have done other things, but this may be one of, the la- one of the last, if not the last thing he did. So, And hearing his narration, the same narrator we got from the Clone Wars, was just such a great through line. Mm-hmm. They also write um, Baby Caleb Doom, a.k.a. Kanan Jarrus. Uh, okay, I kept getting Caleb and Kanan mixed up. That's <laughs> why. Thank you. Uh, I'm terrible with names. Everyone who knows this show knows that. Uh, it was awesome. Illustrates his mistrust of clones and explains his treatment of Rex and Rebels. Saw Guerrero. I love how they made him look like a good blend of his appearance in Clone Wars and in Rebels. Definitely helped show the passage of time. Mostly TJ is just pointing out how smart we all were because, you know, <laughs> uh, great points, TJ. So torn TJ's about... TJ's great. yeah. yeah. So torrent about crosshair. On one side, he's such a dick, but also uh, I know it's not really his fault. Very interested to see what they do with him going forward. Overall, great first episode. I thought they were just going to be half-hour episodes, so I was pleasantly surprised This one was an hour long. There's going to be a wonderful bridge between Clone Wars and Rebels. So pumped for next week.
1: Sweet. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think even because we had the group we have here, we had people that didn't watch much Star Wars stuff, and then they had us, and I think everyone overall enjoyed it a lot. And mm-hmm. so I think that this is going to be a great entry point for some people to also yeah. then jump back and watch the older stuff now because it is, it, even though it's animated, it is so, like I said, we've had to say a couple of times when we were watching it, I can't believe this is an animated
1: show. Uh, yeah. it, it's worth mentioning as we're wrapping up here, like there were multiple times where we just had shots in space of like a shuttle flying by in front of a planet. And I'm like, you could have told me this is like out of, out of one of the live action movies and I would not have. Argued you at all? Yeah, I
0: mean the line between animation and CGI, I think, is at this point just fully blended. You yeah, know, yeah, on yeah. that kind of thing. And I, it's funny. One of my concerns was the Clone Wars is fantastic, but I've often talked about how the Clone Wars is a kids show, and sometimes it 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 treats these topics of incredible nuance more like a kids show. Mm-hmm. And like, I think of Batman the Animated Series is kind of the gold standard of. It's a kids show but it really deals with things with nuance. Yeah. This to me was in that regard so much better. I think you me, know? I I hopefully
2: think we've learned as Star Wars fans now that when the first thing you see when the title the credits roll the name Dave Filoni, it's pretty much <laughs> a given yeah. that it's going to be yeah. quality work. True that. It, he he's been doing this for a long time and it's shown lately that it's just he's got the Midas touch. So,
0: yeah. And, and I think one thing that um you talked about how this is like a great entry point I also think it's just such a great like we're coming back. You know, yes. Mandalorian was so good, especially like you know, um, you know the post schools. Like, there's very few Star Wars fans I think who love all three post schools. And <laughs> you know, some people love one, some people love another, don't like one. But there was just the Mandalorian did so much to kind of just bring people back and be like, hey, wait a minute, let's let's kick the toxic nonsense out. Let's remember why we love this fandom so much. Yeah. And this to and and that was like okay, that was one great thing. But we have so much new content coming soon, and this to me was such a great, like, okay, yeah, this mm-hmm. the Mandalorian's not a fluke. It's not a one off. We can even do animation, we can do some, like Mandalorian is not a kid's show. No. This no. I think I would happily let a ten year old watch, but it's also just much more nuanced than a lot of kids' shows can be. So Agreed. Yeah, yep. I'm excited. Yeah, TJ Stratford, thank you so much. Great points. And uh uh any other last comments you wanna make before we wrap up?
2: Uh, no, I mean it was just, it was a great entry point to the show, great start,
0: um,
1: fully entertained, fully just loved it, so great. I would echo those sentiments. It was a great way to spend May the fourth, so Yeah, oh, yeah. Happy Star Definitely. Wars Day. Happy
0: Star Wars Day, everyone. And I um, I wanna let you each talk about kind of what you're all doing, and I'll start by saying this podcast is being done in partnership with another awesome podcast on the Strand of Panda Podcast Network, Animation Deliberation. J. is one of the hosts of that. Zuhair Ali, who will be joining us for later episodes, is the other co-host. Um, because it's animation, they all agreed that I, I definitely knew I wanted them on. Yeah, We're mostly going to post these on Star Wars Universe Podcast, but definitely check out what they're doing on Animation deliberation. We want this to be kind of a showcase for all the awesome stuff they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and they're just finishing up another show that was very popular. Uh, J. talk about what's happening on your podcast.
1: Yeah, we we're very fortunate in our timing here. Uh, we're still a pretty new podcast, but... There is an excellent series that just came out on Amazon, Invincible, Um, so it is an adaptation from Robert Kirkman's Image Comic that has been long-running and critically acclaimed and for good reason. It's just such an excellent, excellent show. If you're a fan of animation, comic book stuff, this is right up your alley, and uh, as far as animation deliberation goes, yeah. Uh, My partner there, Zuhair, it's been an awesome, awesome run so far, and really excited for this opportunity to get to lean into our partnership with the network and, and get to have these great discussions with folks like yourself.
0: Yeah, to me, if you're just listening to this podcast, definitely go to strandedpanda.com. There's so many other great podcasts there about the MCU, DC, animation, Star Trek. But honestly, I think one of the best things is the way we can collaborate. The yep. way we can realize when like these universes overlap or our interests overlap, or you know, superhero ethics and DC universe can do things together. So I'm just I'm super excited to have you all on. As I said, I'm a total curmudgeon when it comes to the visual art. You all pick up on things with animation that I will never see. Uh, and then we're also going to have, uh, a, a, you know, four of us on the podcast can be a little much, but with a lot of episodes coming up, we'll probably rotating a lot. And uh, Brian, with your extensive knowledge and great perspective on things, you're going to be a frequent guest here as well. Uh, for folks who want to find more about what you're doing, where can they do that? Um, pretty much, I'm, I'm the guy that guests on a lot of the shows on Stranded Panda.
2: We do the Star Wars Book Club on this uh, network as well, but I basically hang out I'm a moderator at the, the chat group over on Facebook and we talk a lot over there. So just, if you see me on there or whatever, hit me up and we can chat.
0: Yep. We will be bringing back the book club. Uh, Brian <laughs> thinks that the totally flimsy excuse that he had his face cut open for surgery should somehow <laughs> excuse him for the fact that he couldn't uh, read the books. But uh, no, yeah, totally fine. There's been a lot going on, but we will be bringing back the Star Wars uh, book clubs. And we will at some point do episodes about Rise of Skywalker and Solo. Um, I may have to excuse myself from them so that we can say some positive things about them. But we will, we will we have at least some people who like those movies, some people who very much don't, and we'll have some nuanced conversations. Um, but yeah, so to you fans, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, we totally had to find Stranded Panda. You can find everything about the podcast that I do, this podcast, and superhero ethics at theethicalpanda.com. And if you want to give us feedback, you can go find us just right there. You can email us, theethicalpanda at gmail.com. Or you can find us on facebook or twitter again at just search for the ethical panda and you'll find us on any of those platforms we'd love to get your feedback to me it is so exciting we have new content and i just want to hear other people's and that's if you're excited if you're curious if you have no idea what's going on if you don't like it if you just think everything should be live action let us know that too all the comments let's have a conversation no toxicity just awesome fans getting to share opinions even when we disagree totally great So, oh, yeah, uh, Jay Scott, if you want uh, to uh, throw in more of your content, yeah. yourself, go
1: ahead too. If you want to submit feedback to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, you can do that at animation deliberation Podcast at gmail.com. And for myself, if you want to, you know, uh, see my artwork on, on Instagram or anything like that, it's just uh, J. Scotty for real. J-S-C-O-T-T-Y, number four, R-E-E-L.
0: Awesome, yeah. Thank you both so much. It's great to have you be a part of this. And to you fans, the last thing I'll ask is, we really want to help more fans find this conversation. You know, there's a lot of great Star Wars content out there, but I think we have a little bit of a different focus so that we're not going to go too much into the, the tech details. We really want to focus on the story and the characters. If you like this, if you want more people in the conversation, more people to hear it, definitely share it with your friends, tell them about it, send them the link. But honestly, the best thing you can do is go to iTunes or somewhere like that and give us a five-star review. Tell, even if it's not five-star, all reviews are great. Tell us what you think. Tell us what we can improve. Tell us what you like. But especially those five-star reviews, that sends us up the search charts. There's a whole bunch of people who are going to be punching in the bad batch into podcast searches. The more reviews we get, the more you tell us what you like, the more we go up there, we get more listeners, we grow this community, and the conversations just get better and better. So on behalf of myself, our two great guests, Zuhair Lee, who will be with us later, thank you all so much, and may the force be with you. roger. Roger. Ah! <laughs> I need a new podcast host.